so good to be with some of you in person and be with you online too. Good to be together. Uh, if, if you're uh, joining us, maybe you haven't been a part of the last couple weeks, we're in the, the third week of a six-week series in the Gospel of Mark, and the series is titled The Beginning, and that, that title was taken from the very first verse of Mark's Gospel, which starts this way, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The, the beginning of this story about Jesus and all that God has done for us in him. And, and really, this telegraphs the purpose of Mark's gospel as a whole, which is to reveal Jesus as the Messiah. Now, in, in week one of this series, we focused on Jesus' identity and the temptation he experienced in the wilderness. And last week, week two, we focused on his message, the message he came to share, and the disciples that he called his apprentices, his, his learners that he called at the beginning. And this week, we think about his authority. So let's listen to the scripture now. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went with her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let them speak because they knew who he was. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Liza. So the passage for the day and the topic for the day is the authority of, of Jesus. Now, this is one of those stories that you need uh, to, to slow down and imagine your way into, right? Uh, probably always a good exercise as we're reading the scripture. Don't just read it and let the words go by, but slow down, imagine the scene. You know, there are some practices you can do. What did it, what did it smell like? What was the temperature outside? How can you get into this story, right, so that you, you kind of experience it? So, so this story, the, the people were amazed because Jesus taught them as one who had authority. So there was something completely new and different about Jesus. And we don't even know what he said in the synagogue that day or which scripture he was expounding. The point in this passage is that the people who heard what Jesus said and observed what Jesus did were alarmed. And we'll come back to that. That's what the word translated amazed in our NIV version actually means, but we'll, we'll unpack that. So just rewinding a little bit, in this series we're taking small little chunks of Mark uh, chapter 1 and we're, we're going through those week by week. Uh, but when you, when you read the whole chapter, you, know, you, you move through it rather quickly and when you do that, you realize that verses 16 through 39 really represent about the first week of Jesus' public ministry. It could be a little bit less than that. It might, it might be two or three days, but it's certainly not much more than a, a week-long period of time. So there's a real flow to it when you just simply read through the first chapter. Um, uh, and, and we kind of miss that when we take these bits, bits and chunks, right? Today's passage begins with uh, kind of a transitional statement that moves us from the previous story to the next story. Here it is. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. 
So the they in this story happens to be Jesus and the first four disciples he just called in the, in the part of scripture we read last week. Remember, it was the two sets of brothers uh, who came to Jesus as the first four disciples, Simon and Andrew brothers and James and John brothers. And Jesus called them with that, that phrase, come follow me, in which he was saying, I believe that with my help, you can be like me. And they said, yes, we want to follow. So that's the they. And they went to Capernaum, where we know at least Simon and Andrew lived, probably James and John too. And when the next Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Now, it might be easy for us to think of a synagogue kind of like a a church worship service. It probably wasn't exactly like that. You know, uh, there was worship involved, but the primary place of worship uh, for the Jewish people of that day was the temple. And that was the only place the sacrificial worship system was advanced. So local synagogues were more kind of like lecture halls or assembly halls where on the Sabbath, a member of the synagogue would read the, the Torah passage for the day and then expound on it. Just kind of say, well, this is kind of what this means to me. And this is, maybe this is how I experienced this in my life over the last week. And every synagogue had a synagogue ruler, but that person was less like the pastor of a church and more like an administrator. They were kind of part administrator, part librarian, part worship committee, uh, and if needed, part school teacher if there were children involved who who needed education. And that synagogue ruler would occasionally book a traveling rabbi, a visiting rabbi, to expound on the Torah on the coming uh, Sabbath. And that's what was happening on this day. Jesus was the visiting rabbi expounding scripture at the synagogue in Capernaum. Now, those people in Capernaum had heard many, many rabbis, but, they, uh, but when they heard Jesus, they experienced him as being categorically different. There was something completely new going on here. And uh, th- this is what they said. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority not as uh, the teachers of the law, not as their scribes, not as the other rabbis who had authority to interpret scripture. So the people were amazed at this. Now in the the Gospel of Mark, Mark uses multiple different Greek words to kind of talk about this sense of amazement and astonishment when people encountered what Jesus said or, or witnessed what Jesus did. And when you look at all of those words taken together, there's this sense that the general human reaction to the words and works of Jesus was fear and alarm. That that when we as human beings encountered Jesus saying things and doing things, we kind of freaked out. That's what the word includes. So this word translated amazed fits into that whole category of words. So we could very easily uh, start the verse this way. The people were afraid and alarmed at his teaching. And the stated reason for that fear and alarm was because Jesus taught, quote, as one who had authority. And that's an interesting word, too, uh, in, in the original language. It's an important word. The Greek word is exousia. It means supernatural authority. It means uh, th- this, this sense of standing with unrestricted possibility of freedom or action. This idea that you're unbound by by any human restriction or custom. There's there's a special authority here. It's the kind of authority that 
that really can only come from God because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This is a, a, a bit like the authority of the creator sharing what's going on with the thing he made. It's that kind of authority. And the reason this caused fear and alarm, uh, this, this, this sense of exousia, is that that confronts us with the reality of God. Right? In, in his very fine commentary on Mark, William Lane puts it this way, Jesus' word confronted the congregation with the absolute claim of God upon their whole person. You know, when, when we as human beings are confronted directly with the reality of God, that God is not just a religious idea. When we come face to face with that, you know, the, 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 the internal spirit that says, oh, oh, really? For real? Yeah. When we have that experience, human beings uh, react with, with fear, with, <gasps> right? It's, it's why many angels begin their message with, do not be afraid. Jesus said this after he had been raised from the dead. Remember, he shows up, he largely leads with, hey, don't be afraid. Why? Because we're terrified by this reality. Uh, it, it's the Isaiah reaction, right? Having received a vision of God from God, here's Isaiah's response. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When we come face to face with the reality of God, there's fear and alarm. And that is exactly the, the the kind of emotion that was going on in the congregation that day at, at that synagogue. And just as they were feeling that, remember a time when you've had that experience, in the moment they were feeling that, like, whoa, God is real? In that very moment, something really, really weird happened. At least by Western cultural standards. By other cultural standards, it's pretty normal. But by our standards, it was really weird. Just then, just as they were all having this experience of fear and alarm because suddenly there's someone speaking with an authority that seems to come from God, just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This was a guy in their synagogue. We would say, this was a member of the church. He was, he was a regular. They all knew him really well. Right? To constitute a, a synagogue back in that day, you needed at least 10 Jewish men 13 years or older. So this guy was part of that committed core of the synagogue. We don't know his name, but just for our purposes, let's say his name was John. I want you to imagine the scene. Everybody knows John. He's kind of a pillar in their community, a member of that committed core in the synagogue. And at least at this moment, he is possessed by an impure spirit. Right in the middle of Jesus' teaching, right in the middle of the sermon, 
like right now, John stands up and cries out, what do you want with us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Are you feeling it now? I mean, just imagine if that happened here, we'd think, whoa, what is up with John? Is he okay? I mean, that, that was weird and off. And did he just refer to himself in the plural? Didn't he say, what do you want with us? Like, what, what's that? Who, who's the us? So the whole congregation feeling afraid and alarmed at the sense of authority in Jesus, and then this happens. And ironically, it turns out that the first creature to recognize the actual authority of Jesus was not a human being, but a demon. And then Jesus demonstrated his actual authority. Be quiet, Jesus said uh, sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit, spirit shook the man violently. Remember, he's right in the middle of the sermon. John is right out there. And now he's shaking. And came out of him with a shriek. Right here. Jesus ordered the impure spirit to leave. John's body shook violently. There was an audible shriek as the spirit departed him. And presumably, John was left a different person. At least I'm assuming that based on you know, other stories in the scripture that talk about when an impure spirit is cast out, the person is left, quote, in their right mind. So now the people have heard the teaching that they sensed was authoritative and they just witnessed Jesus exercise spiritual authority and bring healing to a man that they know very well. The people were all so amazed, there's the word again, so afraid and alarmed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. No longer, you know, just sounding like it has authority. This is a new teaching with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Well, of course it did. I mean, what happened right after this gathering at the synagogue on the Sabbath, those people went out. You can hear them telling this story, can't you? We, we, were, we were in synagogue and, and, you know, Jesus was the guest rabbi for the day and he was talking and, then, and I, John stood up and he said this weird thing and then, and then Jesus, and, and then... You know, in, in this opening week of Jesus' ministry, this, this reality that Jesus came to us in God's authority is, is front and center. Th these are not just interesting religious ideas to discuss. The claim is that Jesus came in authority and exercised and still exercises authority in the spiritual realm.
Or as a friend of mine uh, likes to say, he didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. Now, it would be easy to stop there and say, yep, no doubt Jesus was the Son of God and he exercised divine authority on earth. And in this story, the, the power of his divinity is shining through. And I want to suggest to us, probably especially to us in our little branch of the Christian tradition, that we might have some work to do on this. Right? That we could benefit from seeking the Lord in this area of spiritual authority because we need to remember some things. There's a, there's a lot of mystery here, and at least personally, I don't feel like I have it all figured out, but we do know that in many ways, Jesus relinquished his divinity when he became a human being. He is fully, fully human and fully divine. We know that. Uh, but, but we have verses like this from Philippians. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And, and Jesus said very clearly that when he was in this world, he was not functioning based on his own authority, which he could have said if he was functioning in his own divinity, right? Here's what he said. Some people were saying, hey, don't we know this guy, Jesus, where he's from? Like, why should we trust him? Jesus' response was this. Yes, you know me, and you know where I'm from. I am not here on my own authority. But he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I'm from him and he sent me. When he was on this earth, the authority by which Jesus functioned was delegated to him by God. It wasn't, it wasn't his own. And the power by which he functioned was given to him by God through empowering of the Holy Spirit. Remember the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism. We had that story a couple, a couple weeks ago. And right after the baptism of Jesus comes the, uh, the story of Jesus being tried and tempted in the wilderness, his wilderness experience. And from Luke's account of that experience, we know that Jesus entered that time of trial and testing and temptation, quote, full of the Holy Spirit. And he exited that time of trial and testing and temptation, quote, in the power of the Holy Spirit. There was a spiritual empowerment that happened in that time and testing trials do that right they develop resilience and dependence and reliance so when Jesus launched his public ministry he did so with the authority and power God had given him not necessarily all that he showed up with on his own right and the story we have today is the first demonstration of that power Jesus operated in this world based on delegated authority and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And, and the thing for us is uh, that the same Holy Spirit is available to us now. And Jesus delegates authority to us, his followers, to serve the world in his name. So if we're in Christ, we at least have to consider and pray through what this means for us because it certainly seems that some portion of Jesus' authority, his exousia, is ours in Christ. Not for our own benefit, but to join God in his work in the world and the plan that God is trying to work out. Look at, look at Luke 10, uh, Jesus sending out the larger group of disciples, the 72. 
After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out his workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So those 72 disciples went out in the name of Jesus, and then they returned to report what had happened. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. See, Jesus gave them spiritual authority to be exercised in their role as an ambassador of Christ. If we're in Christ, we too are Jesus' ambassadors. And Jesus said this in John chapter 20. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. There it is, you know, starting with don't be afraid, be at peace, because I know that when I show up, you freak out. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Commissioning, sending out. Uh, Jesus sending his followers in the same way that the Father sent him with God's authority and with God's power by the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, the Father sent the Son into the world with his authority and power, and Jesus sends his followers into the world with his authority and power. Now, I, I, I understand that our, in our church, we're part of a tra- tradition that gets a little jittery around this kind of conversation. And I have stories from mentors and seminary professors which could, in general, be summarized as, we don't go there, <laughs> right? Um, but, but we need to listen, don't we, to the larger Christian church? Uh, the story of Charles Kraft is illustrative. Uh, he and his wife were from an evangelical tradition. He went to Wheaton College, Asbury Seminary down in, uh, down in Kentucky. He and his wife served as pioneering missionaries in northeastern Nigeria. And when they were there, he said that the, uh, the emerging Nigerian church leaders were very interested in knowing how to handle evil spirits. And they came to uh, Charles and his wife and said, what, what do we do with this? And, in essence, their, their response was, well, you know, we don't, we don't do that. We don't. And, and the, the Nigerian church leaders weren't offended. They just know that the crafts weren't going to be a resource for them in, in that area. And Kraft went on to be, be, uh, become a well-respected professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, where he taught for years. And it was only after many years of teaching at Fuller uh, that, that he uh, really began to learn about practicing the authority that Jesus has given us, what that means for him as a Christian in his interaction with other people. And he's written a very fascinating book, which I commend to you if you'd like to be stretched in this area. It's titled, I Give You Authority. I'm, I'm reading it right now. And I've got to confess, having very little personal experience in this realm, but we, ha- we have had just a little. I remember a time Crystal and I were praying for a, a friend of ours who came to us and just said, man, I'm feeling... I'm feeling heavy. She, she was saying, I feel so, there's this heaviness on me. I just feel like I'm, it's an oppressive thing. I can hardly stand. It makes me want to feel like I'm going to fall to the floor. So we, uh, I remember we prayed over her and we, uh, we would pray and kind of stop and check in, like, how are you feeling now? And 
oh man, we just, I'm still struggling. We just pray for her some more. And we were edging into this realm, you know, not, I hope not in weird ways, but edging into this realm of exercising authority in the name and power of Jesus as we prayed over this person. Uh, prayer, prayer time ended and uh, never forget what she said. I think it's gone. I didn't really know there was an it, but, you know, whatever it was, it was now gone. So I can't tell you definitively what happened there, uh, but I do know this for sure. Something spiritual happened in that person. I know that without a doubt, because when we started praying, there was heaviness, there was this deep sense of oppression. When we stopped praying, there was an experience of freedom. And we know biblically, right, where the Lord is, there is freedom. So it was gone. Now, if this was a normal time, and we could kind of huddle up, and do one of those prayer ministry times like we do from, from time to time, we would be doing that today. Because the last thing I would want you to take from this message is, hey, you're doing it wrong. That's not the message. The message is, as we pray for each other, you know, seek the Lord in this. Uh, seek the Lord in leaning into praying in the name and power of Jesus for other people. And let's pray healing for one another. Let's pray reconciliation for one another. Let's pray freedom from whatever it is that might be, uh, you know, hindering us or, or holding us back. You know, if, if you're struggling with something, let's pray about that. In the name, authority, and power of Jesus, seeking breakthrough. And, and let's keep going after it. Because it seems to me that Jesus invites us to do that, you know. Like the, the friend who just kept knocking on the door at midnight asking for something, right? See, Jesus came in authority he taught with authority, and he exercised authority in the spiritual realm. Jesus sends his followers into the world with his authority and power to join God in what God is doing in this world, which is a good, redemptive, reconciling, unifying, freedom-bringing work that guides people into living the life they were created to live. Right? So, Let's join that work fully with all the resources that Jesus might be giving us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pray with me, please. God, our, our sense of perception is imperfect for sure. Our understanding is uh, limited. Thank you for what you tell us in Scripture. Thank you for coming to us in person and and giving us an example of human life as you intend it. So God, if you have uh, spiritual resources, resources for the spiritual life, resources for following you more fully and becoming more like you and growing to do the kinds of things that you did, would, would you show us those, God? Uh, oh, by, by your spirit, breathe on us again and overcome all of our inner hangups or whatever those might be and, and, and focus our eyes on you. Focus our hearts on you. We want to see you and we want to follow you. 
uh, that, that you might be glorified and that the world you love and all the people you love and it might be blessed and drawn, drawn back to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen.